0: Who wants to talk sports on a Monday? We do. From our Dixie Line Lumber and Home Center studios in San Diego, we welcome you to our Monday bonus podcast of Hacksaw's Headlines. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Lee Hacksaw Hamilton, along with my co host, John Riley. And we welcome you to our show coming off a great sports weekend, going towards an absolute ton of things that we're going to discuss. John, we have a lot of directions we're going to go today. Just want to remind everybody that we do the podcast on Monday afternoons at 1.00 Thursday afternoons at one. We wrap up the podcast with our final segment. It's called Fans Forum. We get enormous response from everybody following us on our live stream. How can the fans get involved in Fans Forum?
1: Yeah, you want to get involved? You got a question or comment for Hacksaw. I see Raul already dropped in a question before we even got started. But hey, if you got something you want to say, type it in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube or Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum.
0: And a reminder, we've also started something else. It's called Hacksaw's Insiders Group are rolling out things into ten twenty twenty-four for all the people that kind of want to be involved. How do they get involved? Become a member of Hacksaw's Insiders Group and get access to the unique things we're offering.
1: Yeah, great stuff there. You go to LeeHacksawHamilton.com In the upper right corner is an orange box. Put your email in there. Get on our list. Join our team. Man, we sent out your One Man's Opinion article or one man's opinion article about Ariza and Bauer. We got a lot of great sports content. Hacksaw is just blowing up with content and a reminder
0: we ask you to share tell all your friends on your email list those you text with who we are what we do and we want you to subscribe therefore you'll get the instant alerts when we put something up on our youtube channel our monday bonus podcast is brought to you by dixon line lumber and home centers there are nine stores here in san diego county you got projects Go to them to do business. Let them show you what they can provide for the projects at home or at work. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido, the specialist when it comes to eye care, whether it's vision test all the way to surgical procedures, whether it's from glasses to contact lenses, these are the people to go to, North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, ton of topics on the table. We're going to go a lot of different directions, a lot of different sports. Start with the NFL.
1: Okay, yeah, the NFL off season's getting started here, Lee, and already we're talking salary cap problems. Well, the National Football League just released
0: the dollar value for the salary cap for 2024 it rocketed to an all-time record 255 million that's a 30 million increase from what the cap was last year now we got a ton of teams that got cap space. That column on the left, the Washington Commanders have 79 million cap space. Tennessee, 78 million. Chicago at 78 million. And the new look, New England Patriots, they've got 77 million. Those are the top teams with lots of cap space. All those teams for the most part are in trouble. So are they going to go on spending sprees? On the right-hand side, the Buffalo Bills. Right now, are in the worst cap situation. They're forty three million over the salary cap, and that usually means renegotiating contracts if you can, or lopping off players and taking dead money. New Orleans is second. They're at $42 million. They have had a history of cap problems, and they always wind up restructuring contracts. Miami is third at $28 million. The Chargers are now fourth. They just did one deal with knocked $10 million cap savings off when they flipped the contract for uh, the soon-to-be-retired center, Corey Lindsley. But the Chargers are $25 million over the salary cap. So it's a big story. I think the big the big conversation line over the weekend that I got was NFL teams, John, are trying to decide, okay, we took this big jump. Does that mean we just keep the players we have or should we blow out guys with big contracts we don't want, take the cap hit because we do have significant space still to use? So stay the course or kind of reinvent yourself and, and bite the bullet on
1: some contracts. So that's That's an interesting story. What do you think happens? This is phenomenal. I mean, the numbers jump so much because we thought the Chargers would be 40 to 50 over the cap. Now, what was it, 25? 25 now because the cap went up
0: and they restructured Corey Lindsley's contract Mm -hmm. as he gets ready to retire. They'll take a small cap hit there. Uh, You know, Rams are in good cap space. Uh, There are some teams, obviously, that have got significant, significant trouble. The gross revenue is what dictates what the salary cap is year mm-hmm. by year. And you jump from $30 million from last year's figure to two fifty five this year. That's a phenomenal
1: increase. Yeah. Show me the money. Yeah. I mean, you know, these players are going to want their portion of that. Um, but now, as far as the Chargers are concerned, you, know, you could literally just lop off one dude and you're under the, the cap, right? No,
0: no, no. They're 25 over.
1: Right, so if they so got rid of lock- K- like Khalil Mack or Joey Bosa, wouldn't that get them under if they th- cut one of them? But if you cut
0: one of them, you take a you, There's dead money that comes with cutting the guy. You, uh-huh. you you get hit with dead money. You do get a percentage of his salary that goes away that you can use, but there is dead money, so oh. it's not twenty five per se. If they cut Bosa, uh, the the cap hit might be. Twelve million. If you cut Mac, it's probably even higher than that. So it's it's a complicated formula. I told you you should have never cut class in college. <laughs> but, Otherwise, but you you'd know this.
1: When you look at an NFL roster, would you say maybe half the players are near or at the NFL minimum? It's got to be right. Probably. Yeah. But the guys, the guys, the big money guys are all making monster money
0: correct yeah Yeah. so that's where we are with the salary cap and this this starts things rolling because this week we have the nfl draft combine in indianapolis just around the corner we got nfl free agency starts and then of course in april we got the draft so the business of the offseason has just kicked in those two names at the bottom of the column decision time coming is it going to be announced this week Uh, Both the Denver Broncos, Russell Wilson situation, Chicago Bears, Justin Field status. Both clubs had indicated they would make decisions this week as the combine was getting underway. Plain and simple, if Russell Wilson is on the Denver Broncos roster March 15th, his contract guarantees next year for thirty seven point nine mil. Oh my god. And of course he's the one they benched. Right. He's the one that refused to change the structure of his contract last season. Most everybody of the opinion that they're gonna take a hit. And if they if they cut him, they're gonna take something like a forty-five million cap hit. Denver is. Brutal. Just brutal. But that's the amount of money the general manager gave him after he came from Seattle most everybody is of the opinion that Russell Wilson will be cut by the Denver Broncos and they'll swallow the cap hit they have to swallow. Second guy is Justin Fields, former number one draft pick, Chicago Bears. Couple of rocky years, injuries, had a really good year last year. Guy's got almost 9,000 yards, all-purpose total offense in three years as a starter on a bad team. But Chicago's got the number one pick in the draft and that's probably Caleb Williams from USC. And the Bears have just hired um the the former head coach of the arizona cardinals who had had been at, at baylor had been in the nfl had failed finished up doing consulting work at usc uh cliff kingsbury they've just hired him so most everybody is linking kingsbury to caleb williams and so chicago is going to shop him and there could be as many as four teams that are interested in trading to get the Bears starting quarterback. I've been told Pittsburgh. I've been told the Raiders. Atlanta's out there. Minnesota's out there. So Chicago just may decide we're taking Caleb Williams. We're going to move uh, Justin Fields. They had indicated they were going to make a decision and probably an announcement this week. So this is fascinating because a once, once the first domino falls, as it relates to a quarterback, then a whole bunch of others are probably going to fall, too.
1: Thoughts on Russell Wilson, Justin Fields? Well, again, the, 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 if the Denver ends up cutting Russell Wilson, I mean, what a just a terrible trade with Seattle. Oh, yeah. I mean, the whole thing was bad on the surface of the deal. And then if you jettison Wilson, it's just a waste. But I want to go back to Justin Fields because, you know, obviously he's gotten a lot better. But still, he's mostly a running quarterback, right? And and what's the history of Ohio State quarterbacks? I mean, CJ Stroud did really well, but some of the previous ones not so good. Hardly any of the previous
0: ones mm-hmm. never so good. Um, Just great college athletes in a college system, and the NFL is a very different animal. Uh, I think he's made great strides, and he hasn't a good team around him. I think he's done really, really well, but now all of a sudden they've got this unique situation. He's headed to the fifth year of his contract, so the reality is that he'll be a free agent a year from now. But if somebody trades something for him, like a high second-round pick or maybe a second and a fifth, I don't think anybody's going to give a number 1 for Justin Fields. But if, if they make that deal then, you know, the Bears will just keep stockpiling assets. You know, the flip side of that is Chicago, if they really believed in Justin Fields, would just take that number one and hold it up to the screen and say, the price is right. What are you (laughs) willing to pay me to get the chance Mm -hmm. to draft Caleb Williams or whomever you wanted to take? Uh, But at this point in time, most everybody's of the opinion, because of the arrival of Kingsbury, uh, that Chicago is going to take the USC quarterback and Justin Fields is going to get dealt somewhere
1: else well so let's see if the bears will get relevant here again
0: yeah i don't know when the bears have had a really great quarterback my god i remember following the bears back to when i was really a young kid and i i don't recall outside of the uniqueness of jim mcmahon i don't recall great quarterbacks ever being in chicago what was
1: it bobby douglas wasn't he one of the quarterbacks back in the 70s (laughs) billy wade yeah and i mean you're
0: I agree with you wholeheartedly. <laughs> okay, we go from that topic on the table to something that's really pointed. We might as well have this conversation. Yeah, blacklisted, blackballed. I mean, where are you going here, Lee? Really good headline here. Uh, Matt Ariza has the opportunity in the National Football League that he waited two years for, signed by the Kansas City Chiefs. Chiefs have a history of working with players who've gone through bumpy times. Uh, it's a great situation for Matt Ariza. Uh, conversely... Trevor Bauer is still unemployed. The difference between Ariza and Bauer is that Ariza did something stupid. He had, quote, consensual sex with a teenager why you would ever do that with your NFL career right there in front of you on the horizon just absolutely stuns me. And then it exploded into something else and the gang rape on the San Diego State campus and the police investigation and the lawsuits, the, the defamation lawsuits, etc. Arisa was cleared, period, exclamation point. I always thought this was going to wind up being he said, she said, and it kind of worked out that way. He's not been charged. The suits have been dropped. He is now free. I feel really bad for the kid because he did something stupid. He admitted he did something stupid, which to me means it's an apology. When you look at NFL rosters, and this drives me crazy, (laughs) you look at NFL rosters and you see guys who were involved with DUIs, guns, domestic violence, cocaine, PEDs, other things. It's scattered around NFL rosters. And this kid... Got blacklisted for two full years for doing something stupid one time, and it was cleared and still didn't get signed. Mm-hmm. Now, I've been told the three clubs made late contact with Ariza in the season, and he elected not to sign at that point. He wanted to get to the end of the regular season, see how many more offers would come, and which would be a good one, a viable one to give him a chance uh, in offseason workouts in next season. Kansas City is the one. So Ariza went through a very painful decision. I think he got treated really, really poorly. Trevor Bauer is different. Bauer involved with sexual misconduct. Bauer involved with not one woman but at least four that we know of now who have surfaced. <laughs> um, Bauer investigated, never charged. Bauer sued. That was dropped. He sued people for defamation of character. That was dropped. Yet nobody has touched him because most people of the opinion that Trevor Bauer's radioactive. The difference between Bauer is he's just been a, a monster on social media texting tweeting videos everything yeah right i mean naming the woman mm-hmm. which was a stunner to me he just has never let it go his public stance is i did nothing wrong you may not agree with my off the field relationships i did nothing wrong i was never sued yet he served a 194 game suspension had to go to japan etc Nobody has touched him. I just think his history of being so off the wall, what he does on social media, uh, the criticism and the condemnation of different people by him, and then this whole sexual misconduct, rough sex thing, has just chased any prospective employer away. I think he's been blackballed out of the league. I'll go back. There are a lot of people that have done a lot of bad things in baseball who are on active rosters now. He says, I serve my sentence, but you can't keep him off social media. And that's the difference between he and Ariza. Matt stayed silent, continued to train. This guy just went on and on and on. So you tell me, Ariza do it right, Bauer done it wrong, one blacklisted, one blackball. What do you think?
1: (laughs) Well, I don't know if anyone did anything right here. you You said that Ariza did something stupid. Well- so, I mean, Trevor Bauer's done a million stupid things that are completely unrelated to sex. I mean, imagine when he gets pulled from the game and the coach comes up, takes the ball and instead Riza throws it over the center field fence. Yes. I mean, there's plenty of other signals here about Bauer and, and his character. But let's be clear, for both of them, under the law, they are innocent. Exclamation point. You know, I mean, they are innocent. So morally... And legally are different things. So legally, let's set that aside. Morally, from a PR perspective, are these guys you want on your team? I'm happy Ariza got a chance, you know, because he, I thought, was treated unfairly, although it is a little murky. Um, If if, if I'm the Padres, I call Trevor Bauer and say, how much is it going to take? Let's get you on a minimum deal. Here's some incentives. If you get to 10, 15, 20 wins. Give him some opportunity to redeem himself, and I think he's going to be okay. And if you, if you're able to somehow market him just the right way, he could be an asset. But you've got to be careful with him. It's it's a tough call. Toxic talent, mm-hmm. and there's such a
0: history of the way he's reacted to things it probably chases people away. But it, I I agree with you, even though I think this guy's a slug. I agree with you. He paid his price. Mm-hmm. I firm believer second chances. and You can structure the contract with language in it about you're not going to do this. You're not going to go there because he's got to restore his reputation and restore his credibility as a pitcher on the mound. I think he does. He's 83 and 56, I believe, is his career record. So I don't know where this goes, but we're sitting here almost to the first of March. He's not had one offer.
1: That's crazy. Not one offer. And I was just thinking in my head, that there's a lot of other athletes that spout off on social media. But I'm trying to think if there's anyone quite at Trevor Bauer's level. I mean, I follow Joel Embiid on his Instagram feed, and it's terrific. I mean, there's a lot of athletes that have really good social media presence. Mm-hmm. Bauer, yeah, you know, he likes to be a spectacle. Um, but, you know, he's trying to stay relevant, right, you know, in the zeitgeist because he's been playing on the other half of, or the other end of the globe for the last year. Fascinating to see where this goes. Hey, you got an opinion? Nah. Nobody <laughs> in fans
0: forum has an opinion, do you? Your reaction, Matariza, how he handled, was he blacklisted? Was it fair or foul? Your reaction, Trevor Bauer, blackball, deserve it. This undeserving now because he's paid the price. Jump into fans form in the chat box right now. Uh, one other football note here that we want to talk about. Yeah,
1: talking about guys that have been you know not getting interviews. This is a good one. Uh,
0: Eric Biennemi is coming home. A lot of people forgot this. You know he's he's an LA kid. Eric Biennemi played at Colorado. Well, his first job in coaching was at UCLA. He was a running back coach, and he was a recruiting coordinator very early on. Oh, right on. And then he left from there, and he went to Colorado. He got his degree and all this, and then he, you know, became an assistant at Colorado. He went to Kansas City and spent 16 years with Andy Reid. Went to Washington for one year, interviewed for head coaching jobs. He comes back to UCLA. If you recall two weeks ago when we had the big dialogue about the hiring of Deshaun Foster after Chip Kelly walked out on them, I said, well, this was a popular hire within the halls there at Pauley Pavilion in the UCLA football program, but they're going to have to surround Deshaun Foster, rookie coach, real rookie coach, with veteran coordinators. They go get one. This guy, he's got unbelievable street cred in mm-hmm. terms of recruiting. Obviously, the accomplishments with the Kansas City Chiefs and Andy Reid because he was the offensive coordinator and designed X's and O's and schemes and, and all that. Uh, th- this guy comes with quite, I think, a lock-solid resume. Never got the chance to be a head coach in the NFL, but he's going to be a key component to the fixtures that are going to be put in place to try to rally back UCLA. So I say good for him, and I think it's a good hire for UCLA into Sean Foster. Now they got to go get a experienced defensive coordinator, too.
1: Well, wasn't the enemy kind of like a ball buster and she, with the Chiefs? You know, it's just really hardcore, yes. in your face, trying to get you to, you know, to try to coach them up. Is that going to work at a college level? He'll be teaching more, but I, I still think, John Riley, here's the playbook. John
0: mm-hmm. Riley, we are going to run this play till you get this thing right, John Riley, And, and that's, that was his, he's on their guys all the time. Right. It's a different environment, though, because when he speaks, 19 and 20-year-old kids will say, wow, this guy was in a Super Bowl. This guy was Andy Reid. I know who this guy is. This guy's accomplished a lot. So I think the message, there'll be more teaching, but the message will be strong going towards the UCLA players. I think it's a really
1: fine hire. You know, you know what it reminds me of is is – the movie Rudy. Because you remember mm-hmm. when he was there and then in Notre Dame had switched coaches in the middle of his time there. And the guy who was the one that came in? Was it Devine? Dan Devine. Dan Devine. And he had this great track record. What was his backstory? Was he an yeah, NFL well, He had been at Arizona State for a long time, uh, way
0: back mm-hmm. in the old whack days. And then he went to Green Bay. It didn't work out in the NFL, but he did have really good coaching
1: credentials. So I remember Rudy talking about that, and he go, with this guy, he's got the NFL experience. And, and so I imagine if you're a player for UCLA, this has got to be pretty exciting. Yeah. Oh, I think so.
0: I think. Big step forward.
1: You're a UCLA fan.
0: Give us a reaction. The hiring of Eric Biennemi.
1: On we go. Let's talk baseball. Talking baseball, Padres, uh, they had another game started today. How's it going, Lee? Not good. Not
0: good. Uh, Joe Musgrove got lit again. Second start now. I don't know what his ERA is, but it's not good. Uh, Musgrove, who gave up four runs, didn't get anybody out in his first start, gave up four runs in the first inning today to Cleveland. He he got through an inning two-thirds before they pulled him. So he's given up eight runs in 1.2 innings. You'll have to figure out the ERA for me, smart guy. He's not ready. It's going to take some time. Um, he'll come back probably on the weekend and get another start and see if they can build on it. But if we get to a third start and he's still not getting anybody out and he's still giving up runs, then I think it dawns on you that he's not going to be ready for the start of the season. And maybe he winds up staying in extended spring training. or Maybe he goes on the disabled list and goes to extended spring training. Because it's evident that he's not ready coming off the shoulder capsule issue. Padres are playing Cleveland. Interesting story. The Padres put a bid in on Kiki Hernandez, the super utility guy who had been with the Dodgers for an extended period of time, went to the Red Sox, came back to the Dodgers, and then became a free agent. Um, the Padres are one of four teams that made an offer. I was told the Dodgers made an offer, and the Dodgers just made a trade. So maybe Hernandez is going to wind up going back there. Dodgers just traded the center fielder. Manuel Margot. Manny Margot goes to Minnesota. Mm -hmm. Uh, That just happened. So maybe the Padres who tried hard to get Hernandez, who's, you know, He's a six-position guy. Yeah. He can play a bunch of these infield, all three outfielders, and can pinch hit. Uh, they tried. They didn't get him. Uh, the Yuki Matsui situation, there's a little bit of concern. He's got inflammation in his back. He pitched that one inning and struck out three and was really dominant and didn't feel right after that. It hasn't felt right since that, that, hmm. that uh, injury. Uh, so they don't. At this point, it's not that they're going to give him a cortisone injection. They'll do therapy and rehab, et cetera, and then we'll see how he feels a week or so from now. But Yuki Matsui had an MRI that showed inflammation. Little surprise, the Korean relief pitcher Woo Soo Go has yet to throw in a game and has only been working on the backfields, which means he's with the minor leaguers. And now they say he's going to pitch maybe Wednesday or Thursday of this week. Uh, but I would have thought, based on his career in Korea, he would have been right there, front and center, with Matsui and all the other guys on the on the yeah. main staff. But it's not, so I don't I don't know if this is if there's a setback here or whether they're working on some things because it is different. I mean, when you come from abroad, it's a different mound, it's a different ball, and obviously it's it's culture and everything else. So, Go has yet to throw uh, with the big club. I think right now, based on the first week of the uh, spring training games, I think Jackson Merrill's going to make this club. And maybe it's going to be as your center fielder or maybe your left fielder because uh, he had a couple more base hits on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And he's hitting three thirty three in the spring. And he's playing a pretty decent outfield right now. Now, this is early. And we still have a whole pile of games before they go to South Korea to meet the Dodgers. And one of the guys who came from the Yankees, Randy Vasquez, pitched really well in his first start. Two shutout innings. Uh, very That was a, a pretty good start for Vasquez. Uh, not a good start for Johnny Prito. Uh, Michael King, obviously, is pitching out of the bullpen in this Monday game. So there's a lot of news and notes there around the
1: Padres, Sean. I love Jackson Merrill, the whole story. And he's he plays with such confidence. I think he's only 20 years old. Yeah. And boy, this guy plays like a pro. He carries himself like a pro. A lot like Ethan Salas, who, by the way, is only 17. Um, so I think this is going to work out OK, you know, because we weren't sure was Profar going to be in the left or in, now maybe Merrill. But then did you have Profar play center or do they still need to get another outfielder?
0: I don't think they got a lot of budget space to go get anybody else. But um, so far, so good. Now, I caution you. I always say this about rookies. <laughs> Everything looks good early on. When they start throwing old Charlie, oh, curveball, yeah. batting averages go down for rookies. You have trouble so, with the curve. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so let, let's, let's just see what the next three weeks are like for Jackson Merrill. But pretty impressive kid out of the gate. A positive to speak of right now till they start throwing old Charlie. We get to halftime. Our podcast is brought to you by Dixon Line Lumber and Home Center Stores, nine locations to serve you in San Diego, and by North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. Specialist when it comes to help for your eyes, and we're all going to need help for our eyes down road. You need North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, before we get to halftime, Fans Forum, explain all these people joining us on live stream what they should do to join.
1: Okay, we already got a bunch of people that are already piling in. we got Raul and Fig and Matt and Craig and Tim and Joey and Tracy and Daniel. If you've got a question or comment for Hacksaw, type it in the live chat on Facebook, YouTube, or Twitter, and we'll get you involved in Fans Forum. And a reminder, if you like what we do on our podcast
0: Monday and Thursdays, you're going to like what we do on my website. I write on it every day of the week. And there's another reason... To go to my website, aside from checking it out every morning because everything's fresh and posted first thing in the morning. Another reason is Hacksaw's Insiders Group. John, explain that orange box that's on the homepage. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, this is where you can get, be part of the team here, you know, part of the Hacksaw fan club. So just go to leehacksawhamilton.com in the orange box, sign up, get on our email list, and, you know, Lee is just, pumping out content, great sports content, and you'll be the first one to get it if you join Hacksaw's Insiders Group. And you also get emails with some of the special things that we write and
0: things that we're going to plan for 2024. We are at halftime. Hope you'll get ready to join us on Fans Forum when we get to the end of this podcast, or Monday bonus podcast. John, we got projects around the home, and I was driving down Interstate 15 right near Carmel Mountain Ranch and have converted this golf course to this massive housing development, and they are building all the houses. You see the structures of the wood going up. And the first thing popped in my mind, wood, projects, home building, Dixie Line lumber.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. probably the doors, the windows, the kitchen and bath. I mean, a lot of these contractors depend on Dixie Line. You know, Dixie Line has been in San Diego for over 100 years. These are the people that if you got projects, you should go talk to Dixie Line Lumber.
0: And our podcast brought to you by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido, comprehensive eye care, state-of-the-art technology from cataracts to glaucoma to cornea procedures from extensive screening to vision tests. You need help with your eyes. You need these people. North County Eye Center. We go to the second half of our Monday bonus podcast with Fans Forum still to come. You know, we've been talking about a lot of things on the baseball field. Let's talk about what's going on off the field, because some of the big names in baseball are making a lot of news and a lot of noise. Yeah,
1: and we're seeing one of the Boris four finally signed. Okay, we're
0: talking about the super agent, Scott Boros. We're talking about the head of the Players Association, Tony Clark. And John just made reference Cody Bellinger, one of the Scott Boris unsigned big money free agents, signed a three year, eighty million dollar deal with the Chicago Cubs. It has opt outs after the first year and after the second year. It pays him thirty mil, thirty mil, and then twenty mil. So I guess in a sense Boris won because he gets the client thirty mil immediately. And if Bellinger has another great season, he can stay and he'll get another 30. If Bellinger has a substandard Dodger-type season where dude hits 198 again, Mm -hmm. I don't think that'll happen, he could still stay and get the 30 million. So I guess it's win-win, but I just happen to think Bellinger, Wrigley Field, right time, right situation. Second name, New York Mets star Pete Alonzo. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this coming season. Guess who he just signed with to represent him? Scott Boris. Yes. And oh, the New no. York Mets promptly announced there would be no negotiations on a contract extension uh, with Peter Alonso till they get to the end of next season. Here we go. Then you got Juan Soto, and he's represented by you-know-who, Scott Boros. Juan Soto's debuted with the Yankees, actually had himself a really good first game in pinstripes, two for two with a massive three-run home run. Yankees are not going to negotiate with him. So we're sitting here right now looking towards the end of the coming season, Bellinger, Alonso, Soto, all rep by Boris, are going to be on the free agent market. Everybody's going to play the prices right. That's an amazing story. Tony Clark uh, sounded off. He's making the tour of the spring training camps. Tony Clark was a- approached by the commissioner's office about the possibility of a free agent deadline. In other words, we have all these guys who become free agents in November. The baseball wants a deadline of maybe December 31st. You have that window to negotiate contracts. And Tony Clark says, no, we're not going to do that. These guys have played for six years. They have a right to take in all the offers, take as much time as they want, see if things change. What goes on in November might be different than what's going on in January. Yeah. Tony Clark says, no, we're not going to do this. And then baseball kind of dropped the hint what we're doing is because we want to market the game we want to make the winter baseball meetings and the hot stove league really special and we think a deadline window would be great to which tony clark says it's your job to market baseball it's not my job to save save the game <laughs> so that that's where we are with that also there's a lot of conversation about the pitch clock uh, i thought it worked really well last year major league baseball has indicated uh that they're they're changing the rule for the pitch clock this year Uh, The pitch clock is going to go from 20 seconds down to 18 seconds when you have men on base. Mm. Now, the pitch clock stays at 15 when there's nobody on base. Okay. So the 15-second pitch clock, as weird as it was to get used to, it really worked well last year. I agree. And. So now this conversation, and Clark thinks it's wrong that baseball's tried to change the rule. But, see, Tony doesn't have any say in it. They don't vote on that. Uh, they they gave baseball a right to change rules, whether it's designated hitter or stealing bases, blocking the plate. All that comes on, out of the commissioner's office. Union can just bark about what they like or what they don't like. And they are barking about uniforms. I have not seen the new nike uniforms that they're arguing about but everybody that's covering spring training and whose teams have the uniforms are writing about the lettering looks weird the coloring looks weird the pants which are made of a different fabric supposed to be cooler they look weird they're kind of see-through pants (laughs) so and clark says they should have come to us and talked to us about how the players are supposed to look so tony's got opinions about The union should have a right to say everything, including what bar of soap you use in a shower. It's just it's kind of weird. So, John, the table is yours. Comment on, on the free agents, comment on Boros, comment on- I want to talk about
1: the uniforms. Okay. <laughs> because th- this is unbelievable. You haven't seen the picture. I mean, literally you can see through their pants mm-hmm. and the, the pockets are hanging in the pants, which gives it a little bit of blockage, but where there's no pocket, you know, like right in the middle, you know, you could see right through and you're thinking, how in the heck could they do this and not run it by some players and test it out and ask, what do you think? I mean, it's mind blowing. And I was listening to, you know, one of the national radio guys, um, yesterday, and he was saying how, and major league baseball just keeps screwing this thing up, you know, where the NFL and NBA have such disciplined approaches to their off season. And how in the heck could you blow it on uniforms? I mean, it reminds me of George Costanza when he worked for the New York Yankees and he sent them out with new uniforms and the players hated him, and it was all mm-hmm. big trouble. So I've got friends at work for
0: Reebok who used to have the contract, mm. And they're just standing there and they're just laughing at Nike and the embarrassment. And But you can always, quote, recall them. And I, that might happen because this kind of looks embarrassing. What do you think about the uh, free agent window? Should there be a December 31st deadline so we compact it all around the winter baseball meetings and make the hot stove league really important in December?
1: No, no, you, you can't do that. I mean, now granted, I know you have a deadline for trades, which makes sense. But these guys, you know, it's, it's like, imagine if you were negotiating for your next job and there was like some arbitrary deadline you had to get it done by. I mean, that's just sort of dumb. So they, they should have the time. Now, granted, if we could wave a magic wand, if we had Utopia, yeah, of course, we'd love to see them all sign early, you know, and then we would know what the rosters are looking like. But in a way... You know, It's, it's good that it, it lingers. It gives us something to talk about. And it makes the off season and, and the opening of spring training camps really interesting when there's so many big names that are not there.
0: Maybe what you could do is have the month of December with a winter trading deadline. You can't make trades after December 31st. So that gives you the end of the season, October, November to December 31st, the end of the wedding meetings to AJ Prello to make a 12-player trade. And then you have the window of free agency that starts in November, run that till January 31st. That'll give you two months where all the scope is going to be on Juan Soto and Cody Bellinger mm-hmm. and, you know, all the, these pitchers who are still unsigned. Blake Snell and Jordan Montgomery. Because then February 1st, everybody gets ready to go to spring training. Maybe that's a way to keep the attention span going of have a baseball trading deadline through the end of Christmas and all of January belongs to the free agents and you gotta sign them and spend all your money because February first, we're going off to spring training. Well no? it's
1: it's kinda of like, you know, to what end? Like you under the reason for the baseball trade deadline and all the other trade deadlines is so that it doesn't compromise the roster for the playoffs, right? But what's the point here? It's just to kind of have a nice clean marketing calendar so you can yeah. communicate. So do do the uh, NBA and the NHL and uh, the NFL, do they have anything like that, like trade deadlines or yeah. signing deadlines during the offseason? Yeah, they have dark periods where you can't do anything. And then bingo, everybody knows that NFL free agency starts
0: the first week of March. And you got the draft the end of April. OK, so they've done that. Oh, yeah, they've done that. NBA's got a trade deadline. National Hockey League has a trade deadline. National Hockey League free agency is July 1st, July mm. July 1st. Twenty-eight players will sign on the first day of free agent. All the marquee guys come off the board just like that. So it's it's a marketing tool,
1: right? On yeah, of course. So
0: I, baseball should consider something, but I don't think you want to mandate. You know, you got fifteen minutes to make a decision whether you're going to the Orioles or or taking the Padres contract off. <laughs> yeah,
1: well, you know it. it I mean, I I generally don't like that kind of like as a, you know, in the world of business, having that arbitrary deadline. But if the NFL and the NBA have done it to success, and remember, Major League Baseball could probably learn a little bit from them from a marketing perspective. Okay, maybe I might reconsider that. Maybe it might make sense. That's... Hey, that's important coming to this guy. This guy's obstinate about everything.
0: Okay, we go from that. Let's talk hoops. Hoops.
1: Boy, this is unbelievable to see UC San Diego right flanked by San Diego State and UCLA. My alma mater is suddenly relevant. Okay, let's talk topics on the table. I've seen some bad
0: basketball games. Boy, you talk about dismembering a team what San Diego State did to Fresno State on Saturday. And that's going to get Justin Houston's going to get fired. Aztecs, huge road win against a really outman program who's run upon really tough times. A 12-0 start right out of the gate. Another 12-0 run in the middle of the first half. They built a 30-point lead, and they wound up beating them 70-41, to 41, I think it was. Fresno shot 24% from the floor. Just, just horrific. Um... What a weekend of upsets, by the way, aside from San Diego State stomping the dog. Uh, New Mexico lost at home, lost at home to Air Force, yeah, Air Force, know. and Colorado State <laughs> got ambushed. They lost to UNLV. So the Mountain West final 2 weeks of the season are going to be crazy. The think tournament is is going to be crazy. Let's talk about UC San Diego. You know, they went from Division 2 in a really good program and they joined the Big West Conference a couple of years ago and I stood up on TV and I said, "Why are you doing this?" You can't recruit those type of players to get into UCSD that Long Beach State and Fullerton and all these other places recruit. It's just a different clientele. I don't see you taking JUCO players. I don't know about D1 bounce backs, because that's that's how Long Beach and Fullerton and, and the schools in that conference made their hay. And yet, Eric Olin has come in there, and they are 19-9, and, and they are really playing well, and they punched UC Irvine in the mouth the other night. They've got a bunch of big wins. Uh, a great, great player in Bryce Pope. I'm kind of surprised because I didn't view him as being a high-scoring D1-type kid. He's played really well. But sadly, by virtue of these rules, NCAA has this rule, if you go from one level, Division Two to Division One, there's a, quote, transition period in which you you just can't Go to the tournament. Right. Four years. Yeah. Four years they're penalizing UCSD because they've gone from Division Two into Division One, but they're doing really well in Division One, and they're not eligible for anything. And they're not eligible for the Big West tournament, mm-hmm. which is fun. Not eligible for any consideration for March Madness, and can't even be considered for the NIT. That's ridiculous. Agreed. Some archaic rule that dates back to I can't buy a recruit a hamburger <laughs> if he's hungry. Yeah, exactly. Jeez, how unfair is that? And one final note here in college basketball. This is pretty horrid. They've had such a roller coaster of a season at UCLA, and Mick Cronin is just so out of character in how he's reacting. They got beat by a really bad USC team uh, this weekend, and that's a stunner. It, it happened at Pauley Pavilion, which was half empty. Uh, Mick Cronin, who's just been barking. All season long, you remember maybe a month and a half ago he degraded his players publicly. Says you know don't go crying to your mama, don't go to the transfer portal. You know nobody's going to help you. You got to get yourself out of this mess. Well, they're fourteen and thirteen, and you know they they probably won't even make the NIT. So Cronin, who's been feuding with the media in Los Angeles on top of everything else that's gone wrong, he said after the game, the loss to Southern Cal, which is really a substandard team this year, he said, I'm not going to talk to you guys. I'm not going to talk to my dog. (laughs) And by the way, Mick's name is being mentioned as maybe being a potential candidate for the Ohio State job, because Ohio State just fired its coach last week. And of course, Mick came from the University of Cincinnati. So, okay. Aztecs flatten Fresno, UCSD, NCAA rules, and the Bruins coach.
1: Unbelievable stuff here. Now, first of all, that was a beatdown in Fresno. Oh, my God. I mean, the the Aztecs were up like something like, what was it, 22 to 5 or something like Uh that to start? It was just it was a a beatdown. And poor Justin Hudson. He's playing with a a short bench. A lot of his star players are hurt. But it just seems that Brian Dutcher, once he can really connect with his guys and and get them to play that high quality of defense, then the turnovers happen, the fast breaks happen, the, the rhythm starts to get pumped and they start scoring and we really saw that they won by over 30 points on the saturday I think night it was
0: 41 10 at halftime
1: it was something like that <laughs> it was incredible so good for them you know they got four games left and hopefully they're going to do great but well, I do have, have to, go f- to go to boise
0: last game of the season so are, yeah. have they got this this albatross off well, no, their well, boise's next-
1: coming here or are we going there i think you go up there okay all right uh, i i didn't they already lose to boise state no, this they year
0: beat boise here
1: Ah, uh, OK. OK. So, yeah, they got they have to win a big road game.
0: But their last five games against big boys in the Mountain West on the road in hostile situations, yeah. losses.
1: But they got to win. We got to win at least one. So the Boise State game is the one to win. But I do want to comment on UCSD because I was a student there in the 80s. It was a Division three program, which we we played like, you know, the Bible Institute of L.A., Biola or Pomona Pitzer or these other D3 schools to see this program on Hacksaw's Headlines is unbelievable. <laughs> History. And, yeah. And it's with UCLA and San Diego State. It's, it's amazing. Now, can UCSD recruit the same kind of talent? Well, no. I mean, they have to obviously recruit with, with academics in mind and other things. But UCSD won the Big West in baseball. UCSD is tied for first place in the Big West, and I think they have the tiebreaker. You think they would probably go into the Big West tournament as the number one seed, and they're ineligible, which is such a BS rule. I mean, what's the point of it? They don't want you to go from D two to D one, and then discourage you from coming back to D two, or or is this just tr- like the power schools keeping the new guys out and blocking their compet- probably a combination of
0: everything? There was there was an incident this past fall. James Madison University in Virginia, which was a really good 1AA program, went Division 1 just a couple of years ago. And by virtue of bounce backs, et cetera, they're 13-0 in football. And they were not allowed to be considered for the playoffs, despite being 13-0, and 0, because they were in transition.
1: Could could they even go to a bowl game? Yes. Okay, at least that. Yeah. Yeah. So. So anyhow, that's but that's a that's a that bum rule
0: archaic. And speaking of bums, Mick Cronin's really lost control of everything there, hasn't he?
1: Yeah, he has. We were we were saying earlier that we thought this could be a Final Four team, and everything's just sort of gone to hell for well, Mick Cronin. Well, all the Euros
0: they recruited have had a tough transition. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I think style of basketball. I mean, he brought in four European players, three big men. And the only one that's really played well is there's an African center who came and has played really consistently. Others have been in and out of the lineup and just not doing well. So, you know, and, and the, the culture of coming to America uh, and then the whole academic workload at UCLA, those guys do go to classes. So yeah. it's it just it's been a struggle for him. And he's just reacted really badly. So I wonder if his dog growled at him when he started to talk to his dog after losing to USC.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, maybe Ohio State makes sense because he's a Midwest guy. I mean, I could see that working out. But boy, the UCLA basketball program, I mean, they had a little bit of a run recently. They made the, Didn't they make the Final Four or the Elite yeah, Eight? Well, about- last year, they had a great season. The year before that, they had a great season. Yeah. But then they got shredded.
0: Kids went to the NBA and kids went to the transfer portal. So it's just, just a weird set of circumstances. But boy, he. He's not being viewed as as being the guy anymore. A year ago this time, everybody thought, hey, this thing has arrived. He's yeah. doing it at UCLA, what he did at the University of Cincinnati, which was absolutely phenomenal and just kind of seems to be going backwards.
1: Yeah. I mean, you know, speaking of um, Cincinnati, what, what's the latest on Bob Huggins? Have you heard any news on him? No. Wants to coach again in... Everybody's keeping him at arm's length. There's
0: such a history of problems with Huggins as it relates to who he recruits, how they act on the campus, and obviously his problems with alcohol. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's going to get another job. He's not a young guy, but he kind of self-destructed at at West Virginia, which is too bad. Okay, we go from that. Last topic on the table. Hockey Hotline is open for business. Yeah, the Winnipeg Jets in the news. Yeah, they got problems. Uh, This is real serious. And the NHL—they got problems with two franchises now. Obviously, we have we have talked about the Arizona Coyotes situation and the inability to get an arena built. Gary Bettman, the commissioner of the National Hockey League, is going to be in Winnipeg tomorrow, and he will talk extensively to the Jets ownership about what's happened. Uh, the big situation in Winnipeg is their season tickets have gone from thirteen thousand down to ninety five hundred. Their attendance is ranked 29th in the NHL uh, at just a shade over 13,300. Arizona's got the worst attendance in the league because they play in a very small arena because they can't get a new arena built. So I don't know whether it's the prices of the tickets in Manitoba, have chased Winnipeg fans away because they've got a first-place team this year. It's one of the best teams they have had in a while. But I don't know whether it's it's just the economics or it's the fact that they traded away a couple of their stars. Patrick Laine went to Columbus. Uh, they dumped Pierre-Luc Dubois on the L.A. Kings this offseason. I hate to see them leave Manitoba. I hate to see the franchise in jeopardy because it's a great hockey city that goes back to the Bobby Hall days in the Old World Hockey Association Um, You know, they they had a Winnipeg Jets team that had Timo Solani on it, and they had arena problems and money problems, and that franchise became the the Phoenix Coyotes, which has become the Arizona Coyotes. So Gary Bettman's got – now he's got two problems because the Coyotes still have made no progress at all in terms of getting a new – Arena built, it's, the ballot keeps getting voted down. They're playing in a 5,000-seat barn that houses Arizona State. There's no credibility to what they're doing. Of course, their team has got a low budget because they don't have big revenue streams. It just—it's an absolute mess. Please tell me. Somebody on my hockey hotline, please explain to me why there's no franchise in Quebec City, which has this new Olympic arena, or you got Houston, and you do have Atlanta, which failed twice, you do have Salt Lake City, and an owner there says they'll build a hockey arena, why are we still in Arizona? I feel bad for Winnipeg, I hope there's a solution coming, but... Now now Gary Bettman's got two problems. Well, aren't the
1: Coyotes sort of like the Oakland A's of the NHL? Exactly. You know, so they're, they're in a really weird spot. And the other city you should put on that list is San Diego, because they're going to be building a new sports arena. That's definitely going to happen. Um, go, I'm going to go back to Winnipeg, because I don't know a whole lot about Winnipeg. Maybe the fans that are joining us from Winnipeg could share. What's the size of that metropolitan area? Is it a, is it a significant it 's a regional franchise, uh, Winnipeg is not Toronto
0: in terms of population base right smart guy you 're the one 's got the smartphone punch it up there i don 't know what the, i, I don 't know what um, population in Winnipeg is, but it's a regional franchise that had always supported hockey. Their problem was with the initial Winnipeg Jets, Bobby Hall and Anders Hedberg and Alf Nilsson and all the Europeans in the WHA, is that they, they just could not generate enough revenue to pay those type of players to keep those players. And the franchise eventually wound up going to Phoenix and became the Coyotes with Timo Solane, But then they started with behind the eight ball in terms of where do we play, and they played in the basketball arena, the old Veterans Memorial Coliseum in downtown Phoenix, which was not a hockey arena, was really old. And you think our sports arena is decrepit, you should have seen that one um, and then they they moved up up the road to glendale, but that 's a basketball football stadium that 's not a hockey arena, so it was a big issue, and they were going to build a hockey arena in Tempe. That got voted down on ballot. Now they're trying to go to Scottsdale, uh, but this has been a this has been a chronic problem since the franchise relocated from Winnipeg. So, bettman has got two big problems. I'd hate to see a franchise leave, but it wouldn't be the first Canadian franchise to. Exit, because the quebec uh, Quebec Nordique were very successful, but very small arena, and the Canadian dollar was really bad they couldn 't get a new one built, and the Quebec Nordique vacated Quebec City, became the Colorado Avalanche and been a raging success. Quebec since has built a new arena they can 't get a franchise, so i mean we we got two troubled teams. I hate to see Winnipeg leave. Arizona should move. Just give it up. Yeah. I know Gary Bettman, you know, he looks at it and says population, Valley of the Sun, 3.5 mil. I understand that.
1: But there's no place to play that's a legitimate hockey arena. Big, big issue. Well, you know, some of our Winnipeg fans are responding in real time. And I'm going to jump the gun a little bit on Fans Forum. Phyllis says 900,000 in the Winnipeg area. Um, Derek says 750,000. So it's a pretty significant metropolitan area. And it's a, it's a regional franchise. I mean, it,
0: Manitoba is very strong in its support of its teams. And obviously, they love hockey there. So it's a it's a big issue. OK, time for Fans Forum. You got questions. We got answers. Jump in the chat box. John's got a zillion people lined up here. He's rented all these friends by virtue of my podcast, so they're representing him today. So, John, it's up to you to carry
1: on the conversation. To carry it on. All right, let's go here to, to Fig. He says, is there any chance that the angels sign Blake Snell? There's an offer out there. Uh, I'm led to believe
0: it was three years, $30 million. Blake Snell should take that because he could become the ace of the Angel pitching staff. Uh, I would not go above three years, not for that pitcher. Um, he's, he's a workhorse. He's unique. Different personality. Walks a lot of batters. Never gets beyond the fifth inning. You know, And, and for Scott Boris to say seven years, 210 million, 30 mil per seat, no. I'm not giving him seven years to go five innings per start for the next seven with a hope he doesn't break down, but he's he's there. Uh, the Red Sox were there on Blake Snell; they backed away. They just got tired of talking about absurd numbers. Red Sox are now in on Jordan Montgomery, hmm. but I think they told Scott Boros he's got a chance to be here because the Red Sox really have too many young pitchers. But we're not we're not doing. Thirty million a year for five years, much less seven. If you want to deliver him three years for maybe twenty-five mil, because he's not Blake Snell, he's not a Cy Young Award winner. Jordan Montgomery, he's a I'd call a tier two pitcher, which means Mm -hmm. he's your third or fourth guy. I'm not paying the third or fourth guy thirty mil. I pay him twenty mil at twenty-five. Montgomery reinvented himself. Snell has always had dominant stuff. He just hadn't been able to control the dominant stuff. He could he could save the Angels. But it's got to be
1: three years, state-of-the-art money, but only three years. Somehow my hunch is, is that if Blake Sells signed with the Angels, there'd be all this excitement and then he would struggle or you would get hurt or there'd be some curse related to the Angels. Just walk the house. Yeah. So I I hope he lands somewhere good because I want him to have success and not be this guy that's up and down every year. So that's where we are with him. Next question. Next question. Um, okay, let's go here to uh, to Craig. He says Ohio sweatshirt, the Rorks College. Hey,
0: Ohio <laughs> Bobcats. That's where I went. By the way, one of the greatest guys I graduated with at Ohio University, just retired. NFL great columnist, Sports Illustrated. Hmm. Peter King. Just retired. Really? So, He's, you were
1: a colleague of his in
0: college? He was right behind me. Really? What a great career. Oh, oh yeah. He he was unique. He was really different. Uh, they gave him carte blanche. Uh, Peter King went to Sports Illustrated and then he went, you know, gravitated from that on, expanded to NBC. Um, he just woke up after the Super Bowl and said, I've done enough. And he just, Peter King just retired today. Kind of a, a really cool guy. So, anyhow. Ohio University. If it's in the closet, it's probably got a logo on it somewhere someday.
1: I will wear it all. Okay, let's go. Let's move on here. Let's go to Tim. He says, Hey, with the roster as it is, what is your projected win total for the Padres? My opinion, no more than 75 to 78 wins. Too many question marks. I do think the batting order will hit.
0: I think each of those guys who they all collectively had substandard seasons, Tim, last year, I think they'll hit better. Now, there is no Soto as part of the equation. My biggest concern is the pitching. And now now I'm starting to get concerned about Joe Musgrove because he's had two outings in which he got lit. And I understand you give him time and you give him starts, but he's going to run out of starts. He's not had a physical setback yet, but maybe he's just not physically ready. And he's going to wind up in extended spring training, which then then relegates your starting rotation to you Darvish and three guys who came from the Yankees in the Soto trade. And, that to me is a bit of a reach. So, yeah, seventy-five wins to seventy-eight. That might be a decent number. If Musgrove can come back early in the season and be what Musgrove was, then that kind of changes the equation. But don't know. We'll find. You know, and the other thing is Darvish. You know, he had the bone spur issue in the elbow, and that's been taken care of. But he hasn't hasn't pitched in a game yet. He pitches on Tuesday, hmm. so we'll just have to wait and see it. We're going to do a baseball preview right at the end of March before the actual season rolls out, and we'll be going division by division. But I'd say right now the Padres are a third-place team in the National League West. I hate to ruin your day, but (laughs) you're the one that wanted to do this podcast with me. So, yeah, I'd say third place right now, and keep your fingers crossed, there's not another pitching setback because that, to me, would be the demise of the season.
1: Yeah, 75 to 78 wins would be just so Padres, just so, (sighs) you know— compared to where we were a year ago this week? Well, yeah, you know, and, and and it's just we always have high expectations and they always disappoint. Even when our expectations are modest, they still disappoint. So here we go again. I, I share your opinion. I think the pitching staff, huge question marks. But this Jackson Merrill kid, it kind of reminds me of when Tatis came up as a 19, 20-year-old, and he could be a spark plug for this team.
0: little early.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Wait till I start throwing old Charlie. Late in spring training, and then we'll see how he hits. But so far, so good. I'm not throwing cold water on the kid. Kid's got an opportunity, and that was the favorite word of A.J. Preller in his his training camp interviews were opportunities. Well, we got him, and this kid's grabbed the first one.
1: Okay, let's move on. Let's go to Joey. Talk a little Raiders. He goes, hey, will the Raiders give up what it takes to move up into the top three to get AP's guy, Jaden uh, Antonio Pierce's guy, Jaden Daniels? We're talking three number ones, and number two, maybe a player now that's too high
0: I mean Jaden Daniels had a great career at Arizona State hyphen LSU uh, you know I don't I don't rate him as a top three quarterback I, w- I would say probably inside the top 10 so the Raiders Raiders might be able to to make a trade to get inside the top 10 to get a run at Jaden McDaniels uh, I now three number one no not for him uh, hell nobody's going to get three number ones for Justin Fields when the Bears attempt to trade him maybe this week um they, they could go up. Uh, it is fascinating. All the marquee quarterbacks are not going to throw at the combine. Nobody is. No, no. Or the, really? really? No, the unique names are not going to throw. Okay. Jaden Daniels is not going to throw. Caleb Williams is not going to throw. Uh, the only ones who are going to throw are the guys that, I guess, have to prove something, although they did great things in college. Penix is going to throw from Washington. Uh, Bonex is going to throw from Oregon. Uh, but... Uh, the marquee blue chip names are not going to throw uh, in, at the combine in Indianapolis this week. Yeah, the Raiders Raiders have a chance. It, it, it just depends how high they have to go. Because then, then it gets—if you, if you're trying to go where the Raiders are, the Raiders are 11th, I think, or 13th. Mm. Wherever the Raiders are, if you're going to try to go from 13 to jump to 3, you're going to have to pay a hell of a price. Now, if you're going to try to go from 13 to 7— you can do that. You trade a year one and you trade your two or you trade a one and a three and whatever the, the tr- trade chart shows. There's a point value for every, every pick in the NFL draft. So I think they'll make a concerted effort to bump up to get Jaden Daniels. But I don't think you know, three number ones. No, not for him.
1: Well, if you're running the Raiders, I mean, you know, Tom Telesco's there and he's conservative. You've, yes. You mentioned, but he always usually makes smart moves. Do you take a risk on one of these hot young quarterbacks, or do you sign a Justin Fields or one of these other veterans, Ryan Tannehill, just to hold the fort and then build around him? I think you build it, you, you build it now
0: because you only got limited time with Max Crosby. And they, they, they have to deal with Josh Jacobs, who's a walk-free agent, too. So Telesco's got a lot, of, a lot of things on his board that he's got to check off here. Now, if, if this is a five-deep quarterback draft in the first round— Try to get one of those guys. And you spend time. You spend time with Penix and you spend – Nix is the most unique guy. He might be a, quote, systems guy, but, boy, he's intellectual. He's just really off the charts in terms of I can do this, consume the playbook, make the right decision, doesn't turn the freaking ball over. You know, you you spend this combine on those guys in addition to maybe trying to get access to Jaden Daniels, there's there's a way to go get a quarterback. Can you go get the quarterback now? Fields is not a free agent. Fields can be has to be traded. Right. Uh, Tannehill is, but Tannehill's got a hundred thousand miles on him and has had injury problems. And you know, uh, Baker Mayfield's out there, but Tampa's now scrambling to try to get him signed so he doesn't go on the open market. New England is interested in Baker Mayfield. So there's a lot of a lot of quarterback debates i mean it's a lot of situations involving quarterbacks around the
1: league yeah well the raiders need a relevant quarterback to lead that franchise so we'll see what they do on we go on we go let's go to tracy he says bauer is worth a risk
0: as much as i dislike what the person represents because the way he's acted around women he paid a price that was a hell of a price 194 games suspension lost all that money lost his credibility and if you can rent him on a one year deal. It's not that he's going to get 15 million or any of that kind of Dodger money. These guys need pitching here. Would you have, you know, how, John, you tell me. You represent the Padres. You're wearing brown and gold. Mm-hmm. Okay. How do you present to me, John Q fan? you 're signing this guy, why are you signing this guy, knowing what this guy 's reputation is with women,
1: John? because we need pitching, and this guy was innocent, and yeah, he does have kind of a a history you know, but we want we believe in second chances you 'd have to really position it that way so you have a moral justification, but at the same time a baseball justification, so I think that 's the path they take but but the the chatter in social media is that the woman that Trevor Bauer, you know, was involved with that he got in trouble for has had relationships with some of the pottery players yes. as well. So that could kind of create a little friction in the clubhouse maybe.
0: It's weird. Yeah. It is really weird, which is why a lot of people have said
1: not me right next question moving on okay here let's go to emmanuel he says everyone deserves a second chance so here we go including trevor bauer especially since he is willing to sign a minimum wage deal with incentives concur wholeheartedly now i think you can also put language in there that
0: you're going to stay off social media you know and then he'll scream first right amendment and and then my response is okay first right amendment you'll be in the unemployment line but you can Type on social media, anything you want. We're giving you a chance. I've I've kind of changed my mind only because the Padres have such a issue right now, I think, with starting pitching.
1: Oh, God, yeah. I mean, they have a big problem. So, yeah, especially if Musgrove doesn't start the season. Hey, let's go here to Phyllis. And she says, hey, hey, Hacksaw and John, we have snow in Manitoba. All year.
0: (laughs) I've been in Winnipeg. I'll tell you what. Their main intersection is a place called Portage and Main. It is the coldest street corner in North America. Really? Oh, the wind howls off the prairies and goes right down to that intersection. You can't stand out there. When I was doing hockey, we played there, I think, in January. It was so brutally cold, and just the wind never let up. But this is where these people live, and these people they take their SUV, and they park it outside, and they plug it in so it heats the engine. I mean, it's <laughs> it's just the most unique situation, but they're hardy. You live north of there. I got friends who live in Edmonton, and Edmonton is way north. You're talking about the Great White North? Mm-hmm. It's up there. It is cold, and they get, they get even more snow. Edmonton and Calgary. So. Winnipeg's cool city. I just I hope they can solve the situation with the Winnipeg Jets.
1: Yeah, I've I've never been there. I should go visit sometime. I've been to British Columbia. I love it oh, there. I love that. Okay, hey, let's go here to uh, Isha he says. Hey, just watch that Costanza episode. So good <laughs> talking about the the Yankees when they switched up the uniforms. Um, but there's another comment here on uniforms. Let's go to Running Man so we can kind of have the full context. He says those jerseys and pants are crap. Not not only will buy the old vintage jerseys now, not these cheaply made jerseys, but paying premium prices for them.
0: Yeah, just because they've got pinstripes on them doesn't mean they look good on you. <laughs> yeah,
1: I it, it's hard for me to believe
0: that Major League Baseball. So they they do this new contract with Nike and they're going to come up with this new set of uniforms as kind of an alternative or city current etc when they do this marketing meetings don't you look and evaluate what they actually look like on players rather than something that's on a board that's a picture of a jersey i mean it's just you know, the city current uniforms, some of them look great. I kind of, the Padre uniforms, when I first saw them, I call them the, red, the five flavor sherbert uniforms. <laughs> yeah. Saw, they looked like softball uniforms. And no, but they grew on me and they're kind of cool now. Yeah. But some of them, you know, the Dodgers had these old blue ones that they look like softball uniforms from the south side of Chicago. And mm-hmm. some of the others look just really ratty. I don't understand the marketing concept. You know, speaking of uniforms, the LA Clippers today just unveiled new uniforms for next year when they move into the new Mm -hmm. arena. And they're really snazzy all blue, all white, all red, a new Clipper logo, not the fifth-grade junk artwork that was their logo, (laughs) the basketball with the LAC, an actual Clipper ship logo. It kind of looks cool. Mm -hmm. And the third jersey is not only all red, it's got the flags, the nautical flags that used to be the logo of the San Diego Clippers, which I thought were really, really cool. You know, they researched it. They came up with something good. How come MLB can't come up with something good?
1: Yeah, well, I think... Remember when the Padres rolled out their uniforms, they really tested it. You know, they mm-hmm. had players opinions, they had you know, they had focus groups of fans. Yeah, this is amazing. And also it seems like the the, the nameplate on the back of the jersey is smaller font yeah. and lower kind of and it's just awkward looking. Yeah. And if I were king, I'd solve that problem. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, let's go to Manny. He says, uh, come on, Paxaw, uh, the NFL, the NBA, the NHL, they all have caps. So there is limited money a team can spend. With baseball, all the cheap owners will sit out a free agency. It's a big problem. However, Manny, you're correct about the NFL, but they
0: also have a floor to spending. You have to spend within a certain percentage to what the cap is. That's different than baseball, which allows the Oakland A's. As of this hour, the Oakland A's have a $46 million budget. That's their payroll. Unbelievable. Yeah. And, and it's, it's a disgrace. So that's what differentiates MLB. They allow Oakland and these other small market teams to take revenue sharing, get the TV money, put the money in their pocket, not give it to the players, and then put crap on the field. Those other three leagues... They all have a it 's called floor to spending. You get close to whatever the floor is the NFL is two hundred fifty five that 's their salary cap. The floor to spending in the NFL might be two thirty six this year everybody's going to spend at least two hundred thirty six million, which means there's more money for all levels of players, from the superstar to the mid level free agent to the journeyman veteran at the end of his career gets a one year deal baseball doesn 't do that
1: let 's pretend that there was a two thirty six minimum spend for, let's just say baseball, which actually pretty high for baseball. But do you think there's a situation where some of these teams like the A's say, well, we can't afford that? You know, we don't have enough revenue of, of fans at the ticket uh, turnstiles that are going to come in and pay. I mean, they could, it, it could put some of these teams in. They'd have to move no. in order to generate more revenue.
0: No, because they're all getting revenue sharing. All the small markets get 40 to 50 million a year revenue share. They all get a large chunk of the TV contracts. Then they have their own TV contracts. There is revenue coming into the Oakland Athletics, for example. The, the dollar value wouldn't be 236. Mm-hmm. The, the Florida spending in baseball, I've been told, if they ever adopted it, it would be a, a percentage to what the luxury tax limit is. The top luxury tax is 237. I would, I would think the Florida spending might be 120.
1: Yeah, it's so like half of it maybe or a third. Yeah, yeah. So
0: 120. Based on the money that Pittsburgh is getting, or Baltimore is getting, or yeah. Tampa Bay, they could they could afford to spend 121 million because that's the floor. But mm-hmm. baseball doesn't allow that. We're gonna we're gonna do one of these shows. I'm, I just got the payroll numbers. We're gonna post them on the board. You'll be upset if you were in <laughs> one of those. Studies. I want to
1: see the numbers. Good question, Manny. Thank you. Okay, now here's a, a, a comment from Chris, and I'm gonna let you read this one, Lee tax off for old time's sake would you please give
0: us a sean lee offside damn it <laughs> how can you pay this guy all this money and have him jump offside three times in a game and he was one of the really nicest guys quiet docile fun guy never got angry at me um it just kind of spilled over in the radio booth that one day but he was a really good player and you know, we always talk about the Chargers and the run to the Super Bowl that we had in 1995 uh, when I was a voice of the Chargers. You know, there are guys that they rented on short-term deals that were difference makers. Sean Lee and the other defensive tackle, Ruben Davis, monstrously big guys, journeyman players, had had career years. Stan Brock, the big right tackle, never been to a playoff game. Career years, a leader. You need those kind of guys in addition Two-year stars, but nice man. Sadly, he's one of the 12 Charger players from that Super Bowl team already passed away, passed away of a heart attack. Was Sean Lee part of the tons of fun? That's what I called him. Yeah. Between, actually it wasn't tons of fun, but between he and Ruben Davis, I think we can figure they combined to weigh 650 pounds at defensive <laughs> tackle. But they played. They played well and they stayed on the field the whole time. Right. And he was a really nice guy. He's from Brooklyn, New York. Well, played small college football.
1: It's so funny how many catchphrases that you have that are used. (laughs) No, seriously. I mean, you'll hear national broadcasters dropping some of your... your, Everybody into the pattern. Yeah. Empty backfield. Right. And, you know, first down in 99, you know, just you have some classic calls. It's almost like, you know, we talked about George Costanza and Seinfeld, how these like Seinfeld references happen every day. Mm -hmm. We get hacksaw references all the time.
0: I get them in the supermarket. I get them at the fitness center. I get them walking down the street. Show me your lightning bolt. (laughs) And I didn't make that up. That just kind of Came off the top of my head.
1: Yeah, (laughs) that one is a crazy one. Uh, All right, let's go here to Craig. And he says, hey, it's early, but who do you see the Chargers taking in round one? Bowers, Neighbors, Adunze? Everybody says,
0: uh, you know, everybody likes Bowers. Picking him at number five to me, way too early for a tight end. You could, with the new general manager, you could drop down. You could trade from five to ten. Bowers would probably be there. This is a really good year for wide receivers. They want to run the football. They're at the combine today, and that's the first thing that came out of the mouth of Jim Harbaugh is run the football. The new offensive coordinator, Greg Roman, yesterday in Indianapolis said, can you imagine how good Justin Herbert would be if we had a good running game? Mm. Run the football. If that's the case, then maybe at five they take the massive offensive tackle, Alt." From Ohio, from Notre Dame, or they take this, this massive offensive tackle from Penn State, maybe, and both those guys would go in that five to ten slot. So I think, I think O line first, or you could trade back, and, and maybe Joe Hurtiz will do that as general manager, and maybe go five to five back to ten, pick up another draft pick, and at ten you could take Bowers, but. If Harbaugh wants to run the football, he needs more than a tight end with the first-round pick.
1: Oh, big time. Um, now, you, we've talked a lot about how running backs have sort of uh, been less in vogue, you know, mm-hmm. they don't get paid as much or drafted later. But remember, the Chargers drafted Ladanian Tomlinson, I think, number 5 overall. Mm-hmm. Do you think if LT was in the league now, would he still go 5 overall? Good question. Because the game has
0: even become more a throwing game than it has. A, I would doubt it, but that wouldn't say he wouldn't go... Ten, mm-hmm. I wouldn't go much beyond ten because he was a great college player. Oh, he's and unbelievable! Had a great college NFL career, too. But the game, the game has changed some. Oh, we have Unique times, March into April. You think we're going to talk a little NFL <laughs> draft on this podcast?
1: Let's go here to some Edmonton folks here from Phyllis. She says, Hey, we're trying to, um, excuse me, from Winnipeg. He says, We're trying to get the season tickets back to 13,000, but grumpy people with wallets are holding grudges against the owner.
0: It's a problem. I mean, when you go from 13,300 to 9,500, that's a massive drop. Um, I, th- I think I read over the weekend that their revenue is down almost $5 million because of the crowds and the erosion of the season tickets. I wish there were a legitimate answer. Somebody would I'll have to talk to my friends in Winnipeg as to whether or not quote, the prices are too high for that marketplace um, because ticket sales is of more importance. I think in the NHL uh, than it is in other sports, just because they don't have the revenue streams from their network TV contracts, et cetera. So, I hope they solve it, but they got a first-place team, uh, and that, thats I think that's the biggest disappointment. I think that's why the president was so upset in Winnipeg on Friday because he's the one that made this comment about this. we cannot sustain this with the erosion of, of season ticket support. We can't stay in business this way, uh, and that's why Bettman, I think, is going to be in Winnipeg tomorrow to discuss it.
1: It's, it's, isn't that rough? You know, when a team is really trying to win and they are winning, like the Tampa Bay Rays, and they just don't draw as much, sometimes it just doesn't seem to make sense. Yeah.
0: You know, the Tampa Bay baseball situation is a little bit different because that, that involves the a really crummy old stadium in a bad part of town on the opposite end of the bridge from where the population base is. But, florida transplants hell if you weren't living here doing this you'd be living in florida you're a baseball (laughs) fan you'd probably go see the race i'm just i am stunned that either on the gold coast tampa or on the what do they call the east coast of florida space coast Mm -hmm. that the marlins don't draw and what's the biggest sport aside from soccer in the Hispanic community, it's bees ball. Yeah, for sure. And Marlins don't draw. And they've been in World Series a couple of bunch of times with Jim Leland and those guys way back in the day. And Tampa, has a lot of money there. And they're all transplants, too, from the Northeast and the Midwest. And who are those fans? Baseball fans. Mm-hmm. And they don't go see the Rays, and the Rays have been really good. The stadium is a piece of that equation there. So I hope that I hope they can solve
1: this this issue in Winnipeg. Okay, moving on. Let's go here to Jeff talking NFL draft. He says, what are the chances Caleb Williams doesn't go first overall in the NFL draft? I think he goes number one, lock stock and barrel. Uh be interesting to see how many quarterbacks go
0: beyond him. But I mean, he's done everything you can humanly do. I mean, is 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 he the next Lamar Jackson throw and run? He's really accurate. He's unbelievably athletic. His accuracy when he breaks pocket and, and has to move still really really good. So now I think Caleb is locked stock and barrel and that's why I think the next NFL story that you'll see maybe it's going to be this week Chicago's probably going to announce they will trade take trade offers for uh, Justin Fields the quarterback and Caleb Williams goes to Chicago. There'll be a learning curve. You know, he had a tough tough last season at USC because everything around him fell apart. And they had to outscore everybody because the defense was so bad. And yet the kid, the kid's a gamer. The kid's a big time player. And he's a really, really good athlete.
1: Yeah, really. I mean, I remember when he was at Oklahoma and he was backing up as a freshman, backing up. What's the kid's name? Was it Spencer Rattler? Yes. I think was the quarterback. Wound up at South Carolina. Yeah. And he struggled at Oklahoma. And then they brought in Caleb Williams. And all of a sudden it was just like magic, you know, just the plays. It was everything changed when he came into the game. So you know, you talked a lot about Bo Nix, and you know, systems quarterback, high IQ guy. You know, I just think about Brock Purdy. I mean, he's not really a physical specimen, mm-hmm. but the dude has a brain power, yeah. and and that's what you need in this league, you know, to be successful. Because how many quote unquote star athletes have flamed out in the NFL? Oh,
0: the quarterback fatality rate is fifty percent at least in the mm-hmm. first round. And you go back and you Google first round draft pick quarterbacks. How many made it compared to how many washed out? It's a staggering number. So this will be fun to see you know what the dividing line is. Once you get beyond Caleb Williams, how do the next couple of dominoes fall? At the quarterback position.
1: John, we got a couple here on social media you want to run to? Yes, I do. So let's get in some social media folks here. And uh, let's talk. Um, you know, this is a good one. Padre Chargers. This is from Tyler. He says, bottom line, the Preller experiment hasn't worked until the Padres make changes in the front office. They will continue to be average. The Chargers finally got it right. It only took them two decades.
0: Well, I made a commentary on my Saturday sports package on KUSI. I do this big thing 630 every Saturday morning. Uh, and it, the Padres were my lead story on Saturday. And it, I, I, I let me just hit myself on the side of the head. I made the comment, you lost your owner, you fired your manager, you said goodbye to your Cy Young Award winner and your top closer, and your third baseman is coming off elbow surgery. How do you feel about your team? And by the way, <laughs> you lost a $60 million TV contract that you won't get, and you have to write a check for $40 million. Please tell me you're still optimistic about this franchise at this moment. Now, it's not to say they don't have a good team, not to say there's not some good kids coming out of this farm system, maybe within the next year to year and a half. But all of a sudden, the excitement and the expectation has dissolved. And there's a reality now that we got problems. And obviously, the general manager has created this roster. These are his players, his draft picks, his trade acquisitions, his free agents, And the guys that he sold the farm for and then gave unbelievable contracts to, that's the big issue is these these 10, 11, 12, and 14-year contracts have put the Padres in a corner that they can't get out of, and if they don't win – I think it's going to cost Preller's job. Now, I don't think they'll hit the eject button, John, because he's signed through 2026. I don't think that they want to eat three years of a GM's contract. But because if you do that, then that means you're going to get rid of a whole pile of front office people, which means more people with contracts you probably got to pay off. So it's too early to make this decision. But let's just see how the season goes. And if it doesn't turn out like we hope, then they'll they'll, they'll put him on the firing line and – can he survive it? Yeah, if it's if it's an eighty win season, you know, because injuries change everything. But if it turns out to re- really be messy, I don't I don't know if the the fans are going to come back to the stadium. That's a that's the other sidebar issue is the prices for everything have gone up thirty eight percent in three years. And you and you can say, hey, we've done great things in at Petco Park and all that. These fans are going to stop coming. Then what? Then there's that's another problem on top of everything else that. You're having to deal with
1: well, the Padre fans are still excited. Mm-hmm. They're excited that baseball is back. They're excited that the Padres have some new guys. The fan base here is pretty loyal, you know, especially if they're winning. Um, but th- I, you know, I, I have confidence they're going to do, they're going to be okay. You know, you, you say the, the excitement is eroding. I, I wouldn't go that far, but I want to just flip a little bit. Cause in this, in this comment here, you know, from Tyler, he says the chargers, Finally got it right after two decades. Do you think they got it right?
0: No, they haven't gotten to the playoffs, haven't accomplished
1: bleep. Exactly. So I'm
0: not sure that I would agree, quote, they've got it right, unless he's making reference to they hit the jackpot with Jim Harbaugh and Joe Ortiz. Mm -hmm. But those guys have to, they have to put it on the field. Just because you hired the name in Neon Lights does not mean you're not going to flame out. I mean, and they've, they've got roster issues and they've got cap issues. And now, granted, they do have the 5th and 37th pick in the first two rounds in the draft. They're going to have to make some deletions on the roster. So I, don't, I wouldn't buy the theory they got it just because they signed Harbaugh. They've they got to prove that they can win with Harbaugh. And then Harbaugh's got to prove that he can handle whatever this roster is going to be because it's not going to be the same roster. I guarantee you, when camp opens in July, John, we're not gonna be talking about the same players on this team because they're gonna have to move some bodies because of the cap issue.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a wild, you know, camp when they get started to see what happens with the roster. Next social media question uh, to slam us. Go ahead. Okay. This one. Hey, Mr. Lee, sounds like you have a Dodgers figured out. You should go ahead and move up north and join <laughs> your favorite team and leave us Southsiders alone. Oh, thanks for following. You don't want me to tell
0: you the truth, do you? I'm sorry. I am not gonna cheerlead. I always put the topics on the table, I always tell you what. What the, my opinion is of the topics on the table, and then let you make the decision. The Dodgers are really good. The Dodgers are really deep. The Dodgers are really rich. It's the second biggest market in the country. You you can't sit there, Grinder, and tell me they're not going to win. I mean, they do have Otani, and they do have Yamamoto, and they do have what they had at the top of that batting order, and they've got some pretty good pitching, and they've they might have the best young. Core of pitchers, you know, headlined by Bobby Miller and all these other guys. So I mean, the Dodgers are just—they're in a different solar system than San Diego, and San Diego tried to keep up with them. The most, the most amazing thing to me is a year ago this time, we were having this dialogue because the Padres were really pissed at the media, the national media, for the use of the word sustainability when the whole country was writing. What you just did in small market San Diego is not sustainable, and the Padres got really upset at me, at everybody in the media, the national media especially, and what's happened a year later. Now, granted, this was triggered by the passing of a great man and Peter Seidler, but all of a sudden, that word sustainability has shown up in all the conversations. as you can't keep doing this, and now you're going to have to reel this thing back, and your GM's given these huge contracts. The guy's are going to be into their 40s till the contracts run out. So the sustainability topic has moved front and center.
1: It's sustainable if Peter Seidler is still alive. Yeah. You know, but, uh, you know, again, I'd love to see the Excel spreadsheet that kind of gives a top overview of their business model. Um, so. Yeah, it's, it's going to be a weird season, you know, as you go on. But they're still going to be in the top 10 in spending, right? No, their payroll's gone from three as of,
0: as of this afternoon, I think it's 14. Okay, but they, they still have a couple more dollars in the cash register. They have 18 million left, mm-hmm. but what's that going to buy you? Is it, is it going to buy you a lot? Yeah. No. no. And there's nobody left outside of Scott Boris's clients who you can't sign. Trevor Bauer. Okay, you always keep doing this. Circle back, <laughs> circle back.
1: One more here before we put a lid on this. Thing. Okay, this was a good comment here from Marcus. Talk about the uh, the major league baseball. He says, Lee, you made no points. The product is in trouble. They need to revamp the game. The pitchers are soft. Kids watch fifteen second videos, so they speed up the game. Baseball's attendance is way down, and they're going to start feeling this dramatic drop in cash uh, revenue, trending down. Yes. They still have TV money, but for how long? The ratings have crashed. Nobody's watching on TV anymore. I totally disagree. The game, Granted, the demographics of the game and the
0: viewership and the fans have changed. Um, they've made the game better by going to a faster-paced game. Two hours and... 43 minutes, I think, last year had been at 305. So they've made progress there. Uh, the spending is is just wild for the superstars of today. Uh, attendance is not down. TV ratings have bumped up some. You've still got troubled franchises that baseball still has to deal with. But th- they're no different than other people. There's, there's hot spots and trouble spots in the NFL. There are trouble spots in the NBA. Obviously, we just alluded to the problems that the National Hockey League has. It's still a really good game. It's, it's, it's what I call it, a father-son game. It's passed on traditions upon traditions. If you got a good product, they're going to love your team. San Diego, love affair with the Padres. Dodgers historical love affair, Yankees historical love affair, Mets are trying to be what the Yankees have become, just haven't gotten there. But there's a tradition, whether it's Red Sox Fenway Park, whether it's Cubs at Wrigleyville. There's just a tradition that's passed down from generations about the game. So I don't, I don't think the game's in trouble by any stretch. Do they have? Blotches and problem spots, sure they do, but everybody else does too.
1: Yeah, well, you know, baseball is such a romantic sport, yes. you know, and it's so tied into American history and culture, and and you know, I don't think that's going to go away, but definitely this, things are shifting. I've heard a lot of other national broadcasters say that the NFL is a national sport. You know, and the, so is the NBA to agree. But baseball, well, baseball is a regional sport. You know, people in New York don't care about the San Diego Padres. I mean, what's your take on that? Well, unless you're in the World Series, then
0: you then you'll pay attention to who they are. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, the, the fascination with the National Football League is just amazing because they're everywhere in their state of mind, and they've been able to structure everything and how they operate their leagues very differently than some of these other sports. NBA, I think the NBA's got enormous problems, John. You've got five top teams led by three superstars in each team, and the other 25 teams aren't really that important, and that's, that's a problem the NBA's got to solve. Um, Major League Baseball, they've got their metropolises, New York, Chicago, Boston, to a degree sometimes San Francisco. They've got a lot of other smaller markets, but those markets are held – Held in high esteem, you know. Atlanta Braves baseball is really important to those people, mm-hmm. you know. And, and Pirates baseball, despite all the losing, is really important to people in Western Pennsylvania until the Steelers training camp opens. But uh, at the at the end of the day, there are really good franchises. They're
1: great historical franchises. There's some trouble spots in in each of the leagues. Yeah, you know what's funny is when we first got cable TV in the early 1980s when I was growing up. We got WTBS. Sure. And you got the Braves games on every day. And And
0: Harry Carey was yelling at you on WGN in Chicago. Exactly.
1: And I remember this is incredible because back then we weren't able to get baseball every day. We was, you know, we maybe get a weekend game or something. So that was interesting how a different region of the United States, like in this case, Atlanta or Chicago, suddenly became something that I was watching in the San Francisco Bay Area. Um, So. I think Major League Baseball still has a national scope. But to your point, the NFL is on some other level in the stratosphere. How
0: they've been able to market the National Football League and make it a year-round sport and make it of interest to everybody. And, of course, we live in such a mobile society. The Giant fan, he might live in Phoenix now. Mm -hmm. and Seahawk fan lives in Miami. And the Bears fans have been deported and they live everywhere. So, I mean, you know. These football fans have taken their allegiances with them uh, to their new locales. I, the, I mean, it's just masterful what the game has become and the economic impact the game has had on on professional sports, which that flips off to another argument, which then really incenses me when I deal with the NFL and the concussion lawsuits. And I see these players are having all these problems. And I understand the NFL success got there on the back and the brain damage that these players suffered from, mm-hmm. and it's really it—it it makes my heart ache. As much as I have broadcast the NFL, care about the NFL, follow it, write about it, etc., it makes my heart ache because there's a piece of me that understands these guys paid these prices so the NFL could be great, and we can't can't forget those guys. So. Hey, listen, we hope you have enjoyed our Monday bonus podcast. Man, there was a ton of topics on the table. Yes, we talk long, but it was bleeping brilliant content, was it not? Hey, our Monday podcast is brought to you by Dixie Line Lumber and Home Centers, nine stores in San Diego to serve you. You got projects? You need to take a run over to Dixie Line, talk to their consultants about what you want to do. And by North County Eye Center of Poway and Escondido, we are all going to need help with our eyesight down road. Or if you need it now, these are the people to deal with because I have taken my business there. North County Eye Center, Poway and Escondido. John, we'll be back in here Thursday. Between now and then, solve the pitching problems, and we'll see if there's more free agent signings. Have yourself a great week.
1: Yeah, you know, March is like around the corner here, Lee. Thanks for being
0: with us. Hope you enjoyed it. Hope you join us on Thursday at 1 p.m. for Hacksaw's Headlines. Join us again for Hacksaw's Headlines on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. And find the audio version on your favorite podcast app. San Diego! For more content, go to leehacksawhamilton.com.